Imagine a world where humanity pursued unity over division. Imagine a world where humanity acknowledged the oneness of everything in the universe. Imagine a world where humanity chose love and light over everything else. It's not my credit to take explorers of the stories of people from all walks of life who seek to uplift humanity and restore Christ consciousness on this planet. Their unique journeys of tapping into their gifts, talents, and the infinite consciousness are amazing, and their willingness to share them to wake up humanity to their true essence and potential is even more remarkable. Get ready to laugh, to cry, and to be inspired. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Slover, and welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. Hello, Roxanne. How are you today? I'm so good, Ed. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Really, really excited to have this conversation with you today. My guest is Roxanne Chaput. Roxanne is a globally recognized luminary, inspirer, celestial guide, celestial and generational earth shaman, the creator of the Illumination Retreat, and the host of the Soul to Soul with Roxanne podcast. Her purpose is to lead beautiful souls to effectively illuminate their soul's luxuriance. Roxanne has successfully guided thousands of beautiful souls to connect with their divine essence by teaching them to alchemize and harmonize their internal medicines and experiences so they can effectively heal and create everything they desire in their life while experiencing sensations of enlightened knowingness, unconditional love, and an unwavering inner peace throughout their journey. With her experiences and expertise, each and every person can learn that they are truly limitless. Roxanne, welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. Uh, thank you, Ed, for having me. It's such an honor to be here, and I'm so excited just to be in conversation with you today. So thank you. You're welcome. Me too. So if you could share with the listeners a little bit more about you and how you ended up where you are in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So ever since I was a little girl, I just had this profound knowingness that I was being called to serve. And I didn't really understand what that was. It was just like this burning desire. And I just remember having vision after vision after vision. And I couldn't really put all of the visions together. However, in like generalization, it was that I was going to be serving and caring and helping people come to their own inner truth. And it's so funny because as a small child, I remember my mom just being in awe as, you know, adults would come to me, friends would come to me asking me for wisdom, asking me what I thought about the next direction of their life or what path they should take in their life. And I remember her just thinking like, wow, you should really be like, you know, a counselor or a psychologist or something of that nature. And that just never spoke true to me and the resonance of who I was. So I didn't resonate with that. I didn't click with that. And I went through my whole life and I would ask everyone that came within my path, do you have this burning feeling that you're being asked to serve, that you're being called for something greater? And a lot of my friends would be like, well, no, but you know, I know I want to be a lawyer or a doctor or you know, something amazing. And I was like, well, that's so amazing. However, it was just something beyond that. And I just remember at some point, I just stopped mentioning it. I stopped, you know, discussing that with other people because I just felt like, okay, well, maybe I just have these ideas about myself, but really maybe it's nothing there. 
And I went through a lot of trials and tribulations since I was a little girl. And I went through a lot of life lessons that I didn't fully understand at that time. And I always had whispers. I always had, keep going. You have this. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to see. And I couldn't, you know, I'm getting goosebumps right now. I couldn't fully rationalize what that was. However, I knew I was being supported. And I always felt that I had levels of protection around me and some, you know, weird language as a child. Like it just felt like I was in this bubble and I was always constantly being guided and protected and I couldn't fully verbalize or contextualize what that was. And as I went through life, I kind of buried that aspect, you know, put it to the to the back burner and I didn't fully step into discovering that and having curiosity to lean in towards that because Nothing on my path led me to really support that curiosity. You know, everything was like, you have to do this. It was very constrictive. And this is how life is like lived. And this is what you need to do. However, it was never about realizing who self was and realizing what my soul wanted. It was just what I should have done with my life. And I got to this place where I was experiencing very unhealthy patterns of relationship cycles, entering the same relationship dynamic with the same person with a different face, constantly being mistreated and accepting it and enabling that behavior. And I ended up in a marriage, a very unhealthy marriage, and I ended up leaving with my three beautiful children. And shortly after that marriage, I had experienced four near-death experiences. And at that time, I was working as an executive at a public organization. And I really started questioning at the first near-death experience, I really started questioning, what am I doing? Am I really happy? Am I really fulfilled? You know, I always tell everybody that I'm so good. I'm so happy. I'm loving life just because I have this positive aspect to myself. But am I really? Am I really happy with where I am in terms of you know, the, the body of work that I'm offering to the world? Am I happy with the relationship dynamics that are surrounding me? Am I happy with, you know, X, Y, and Z? And it really brought me into this beautiful place of, you know, self-introspection, self-connection. And I really started asking those deeper questions. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And that's kind of what led me down my path. And then I just had a multitude of spiritual awakenings along that path. There's so much to unpack with everything that you just said. I'm curious to start. How did you know you were being supported? Like what, what did that feel like knowing that you were supported and that you had this shield of protection around you. It was amazing. And I remember feeling just unconditional love. And it, there was just this knowingness, just like when you have a child, you know that you love them. It's not something that you have to think about. It's not something that you have to rationalize, that you have to measure. It's just this indefinite knowingness. You know, when you find that partner that you're going to spend your life with, there's just this knowingness. There's no explanation on why you know that this is going to be the person that you're going to walk your life with. When it comes to our knowingness, it's just that resonance of truth within us that just feels beautiful. There's no resistance to it. There's no doubt to it because it's just a knowingness. 
And I think a lot of people had this feeling. And I think this is where children feel like they're invincible because they always feel like they have this protection. It's not about this egoic state. It's about that they really feel supported and guided. And we we diminish that. We, you know, we kind of, you know, dismantle that and try to make it something that it really isn't. But I do think that a lot of people have felt this. We just maybe didn't acknowledge exactly what that was quite then. I'd like to tell you a story if I could and get your perspective. Mm -hmm. When I was nine or 10 years old, out of nowhere, I approached my mom and said, mom, I'm going to be known. And she asked, she's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, it, it's not like an actor or an athlete. Even at nine or 10, I knew I wasn't going to be a professional <laughs> athlete. <laughs> Let's just be real with ourselves. Eh? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to kill people's dreams, but not everyone can be a professional athlete. Anyway, I, I, I said that to her, like not as an actor or an athlete, but I'm, I feel like I'm gonna be known, and she basically patted me on the head. She didn't poo-poo that, but she didn't know where to take that. Well. As I've gotten older and had the opportunity to, to travel for business and do workshops and most recently serving as a, a professor at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, working with thousands of students, I'm like, that was it. Roxanne, that was it. That's how I'm going to be known. And yet, I don't think that's it. And I don't know what that is that but there's what you described that knowing even though you you step into the void not knowing what's next what's your general perspective on that and then how do you help people navigate the void that they're stepping into like you did you know stepping away from a successful career as an executive into what you're doing today you know, I think that's such a beautiful conversation because when we're in that void, that is the most beautiful thing about being here on this earth, experiencing this beautiful, lifely experience where we don't know every next step and we don't know what the entire vision is going to be. And, you know, I think that so many religious structures kind of point to this and say, you know, we make these plans and then God laughs because in reality, we don't know what our full destiny is going to be. I mean, we do have people that have, you know, incredible psychic abilities where they can, you know, predict these things, but it's really hard to know where we are at in terms of what every single stage and milestone that we're going to experience in our lifetime. And I don't think that's the point of life is to know these things. I think the point of life is to grow and to expand and to have life lessons and to have life experiences. And where you are at in that moment is exactly where you need to be in that moment. And that is part of the purpose. That is part of you know being in the void of not knowing everything. That is part of the purpose because the lessons are there. The lessons of where do I need to be, just be right? Because we have this, really this, you know, divine male construct that we have to be this hustle. There has to be something. There has to be instant gratification. There has to be an answer to everything. However, in those moments of just being, we realize that 
I don't need to know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's the beauty. That's the surprise of life. We never know what tomorrow is going to offer us, yet we're excited for it. And that's the part of life. We knew our whole life path. It's not exciting. That's what's the point, right? Like we're, we can make different decisions. We can make different choices out of the free will and the sovereignty that we have and being in these moments of realization and, you know, doing the life that we're having in this now moment, that's, that's the pivotal piece. That's the important piece. We always think of purpose as this grandiose thing. And the thing is, is that, you know, throughout my whole life, I was living my purpose. It just took me on this beautiful journey to understand what that purpose was going to fully be. And for me, it's just, you know, when we connect with our spiritual advocates and our guides and our angels and things of such beauty and of divination that are always there rooting for us, they don't care which pathway we take. They care that we try and reach the destination that we have soul contracted and that we have the sacred purpose that we came here to fulfill. And it doesn't mean that everyone's going to serve at a global level or a global stage. It can be being an incredible mother and father, an incredible partner. It can be serving the animal kingdom, agriculture, art, right? Like there's so many beautiful things that contribute to the world's beauty. And that's the importance of understanding. We don't need to know all of the details up front. The details are in the now. The details are in the choices that we decide to make and the lessons that we decide to embark on. So I hear everything that you're saying and couldn't agree more. And yet there's something about that that's unfulfilling. (laughs) 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 There really is something about that that, that's unfulfilling because we want the certainty and we want the, the the knowing to show up as different forms of proof in our respective lives and i know i've i've found it somewhat challenging being in this in this void and i want to ask you this as part because you mentioned a little bit earlier earlier that you've had multiple spiritual awakenings and i can only assume that multiple dark nights of the soul have you ever encountered at any one in any one of these spiritual awakenings a knowing that your quote job is to rest and heal absolutely and that is the importance of being here and I think, you know, where I get a little hung up on is that I believe that faith is very important. I don't want to mistake that for anything. And I believe that religious structures has its place in terms of, you know, giving that faith to so many incredible people. However, I do believe that being in that faith system also negates being in really you know, the laws of nature and really following the universal laws that really are there for optimal success and growth and expansion as human beings. And growth and expansion doesn't mean that we constantly have to be doing. We're not human doings, we're human beings. And it's important that, you know, when we look at these laws of nature, it's important to understand that there is the law of gender, there is a law of polarity. And that law of gender very is very specific that it's really important that as a human being, doesn't matter if you're masculine or female or, or non-binary, 
you are in a state of feminine energy and masculine energy. You have a yin and you have a yang. And it's very important that we are honoring both of these energies within us. A lot of the times what we see in today's world, it's very masculated into its masculine energy of hustle, bustle, mentality, keep it going, burnout, right? We're, we're not actually able to be present. We're not actually able just to be in the moment with our family, with our loved ones, because we're constantly in this state of flux of fear, scarcity, lack, where when we're doing these things, we're not in the element of our body of who we actually innately are, a flow of creation, of being, of rest. And it's really important that we have the rest. If you're a business entrepreneur and you're a business owner or you're an executive, you know, or things like this of this nature, you understand that every business has an ebb and flow. That is just a natural progression of life. It doesn't matter if you're a Fortune 500 company or if you're a small, you know, family business and you know you know what i mean like it really it's it, it's insignificant because at the end of the day there's ebb and flow and it's the same thing that needs to happen in our life we have ebb and we have flow and when we're in our ebb and when we're in our flow that flow is the rest period and it's really important to be able to have that rest period when we honor that rest period what ends up happening in the ebb is that we end up having so much more abundance, so much more attraction, so many more opportunities are able to filter in because we're clearing out space for what is needed. We're aligning ourselves and putting ourselves in harmonious synergy for the things that are truly in alignment to us, opposed to being busy and constantly focusing on something outside of ourselves. We're focusing inward, creating space so that new opportunities, new abundance can directly flow through us. And that is true manifestation. When we use the laws of vibration, when we understand that everything is vibration and frequency, all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, all of our actions perpetuate, right? So if we can't be in a state of rest and healing and being able, and it doesn't mean healing, it means it has to be this catastrophic thing that happens, healing the, the limited belief on why we feel that we constantly have to be in this push state right? So that's really important. So when we're being present and being joyful, having that innocence, having that curiosity to be in our state of joy, that is the power of rest. That is the power of flow, of feminine. How I internalized what you said there was society has attention baked into the cake. There's this tension between the polarities, but what I'm hearing you say is that there really shouldn't be tension. It should be a flow, an intermingling of the divine masculine and divine feminine. Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. Everything has to be honored. And that is why it's considered a law of nature because that is, we are nature, right? So as human beings, we are a part of nature. So it's important that we are in that state. And when we look at, you know, a lot of, you know, the conversations are about the law of attraction, law of attraction, but that's not truly the law. The principal law is the law of vibration and frequency and everything that we emit outward. 
And I mean, we can get a little bit more specific into that, but we have these beautiful energy centers within us, these centers of intelligence, you know, what we call our chakra system and our meridians. And they're always outputting energy and frequency and like into the universe. So when we're saying that we're in this hustle mentality, that's exactly what we're attracting into our life, right? Because we're asking and we're requesting more of it. When we go into our state of flow and when you ask somebody what they truly desire for their life, even though they say it may be financial, it may be love, it may be health, it may be all these things, at the end of the day, what they're really seeking is true liberation from all of these elements and to be able to be in their state of flow, of surrender, of trust, of really just being present in their moment. When people want abundance of money, it's not usually, you know, to buy gold toilets. It's so that they can buy themselves freedom so they don't feel like they're restrictive and they always have to be on because that's not our intention and that's not what we're designed to do. And yet it's extraordinarily difficult to get into that space where you relinquish the illusion of control in favor of trust. I want to get your perspective on this too. In the summer of 2023, my wife handed me this book and it was called One Word. And three authors, the most notable of which was John Gordon. And it's basically set up to pray or meditate to pick your word for the year that serves as your theme. And what was interesting when I was reading it, I'm like, huh, I had already picked my word for last year and it was surrender. And coming into 2024, my word is allow. And based on what you describe, it occurs to me that allowance is more suited to the divine feminine because I'm, I'm receiving and nurturing rather than pushing you know, ahead, go, 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 taking action on things. Am I understanding that right? Absolutely. And when it's so funny that you say this, Ed, because when you ask most people what their word for, you know, the new upcoming year of where they see themselves in terms of transition, it's usually always in the feminine state because the soul is craving the feminine. And when we're into expansion and growth, it's not the expansion and growth that we think of in terms of financial and business growth. We want business growth so we can have eventually liberation. So when we think about, you know, the feminine energy being honored, it's because our soul is telling us and crying for something because it wants to be in that connection. And when we think about, you know, true manifestation, the importance of surrender, trust, and being in that state of flow is so vital because when I trust and I surrender and I know that everything is going to be okay because I know that I'm doing the soft action of the law of nature, of doing what I need to do, of being in my feminine energy, being in my masculine energy, honoring the polarity within me, you know, honoring the light, the dark, all of the shades that I have within me, going through this beautiful path is that when you literally learn how to surrender, that is when true, true, true manifestation comes because now there is no expectation to outcome. And as soon as we have this expectation to outcome, we create resistance within 
our, our manifesting abilities. We create these walls to say, it has to come this way. It has to come this why, this when, this what. So when we release that expectation, and that's why I don't believe in dream boards, I don't believe in vision boards, because it is limiting. We are limitless. And when we create these limits of this is how it has to happen, and this is what it needs to look like, and all of these criteria, it doesn't leave room for the beauty, it doesn't leave room for magic. It's restrictive, and it's resistive. That's really interesting. I know one of the things that I've had the most difficulty surrendering are certain emotions that I've attached to and have served as a fuel for me throughout my life. Mm -hmm. And by every societal standard, I've been successful. And yet upon reflection, I realized that my success was born out of dysfunction. Before we jumped on this call, you had referenced that you going through another personal transformation and processing you know, certain emotions uh, in order to heal. Why do you think that's so challenging for people? Because the answer to the test, at least as far as I can tell, is that in order to heal, we need to feel first. But yet, it's so incredibly painful to lean into that. Why do you think people struggle so much? I think the struggle personally, from my perception and my perspective of, you know, being in connection with so many beautiful souls is that we are never taught that it's okay. And we're taught to diminish our emotions and we're taught to discard them. And we're taught to not listen to ourselves. And it's not an intention of you know of maliciousness it's just a systemic process that we go through as incredible beings if we don't have spiritually awakened parents and spiritually awakened doesn't mean that you have to believe in everything that i believe in spiritual awakening can be that you have your own belief systems and your truth is your truth and that's beautiful so when we don't have the tools to be able to process our emotions especially when we look at a lot of masculine you know, constructs, men are taught to shove down their emotions and pressurize them. I don't believe that we suppress because I don't believe there's anything in relation to suppression because suppression means that we're pushing and pushing and pushing and nothing is coming of it. Pressurization is when we push these emotions down so deeply that they transmute into different emotions, anger, frustration, resentment, you know, depression, anxiety. All of these things come to the surface and create dis-ease and disease throughout the body. Our emotions are connected to our body and are held in the body. The body holds score of everything that we go through. So when we don't process our emotions, when you look at a child and they're going through an emotional meltdown and they're having a lot of high emotions, heightened emotions, what happens right after they're done? It's this profound sense of relief, they're resilient, and then they're back up doing the exact same thing or something different. And it's like nothing ever happened because they allowed themselves to release the emotion. But we teach children, no, 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 that's bad. That's bad. You don't act like that. You don't do that. 
don't cry, boys don't cry, girls be good girls, be nice girls, be this, be that. So we're never taught to be comfortable in our emotional body. So what we do is we store all of these energetic motions inside of our body, and that's where you have body aches, body pains, autoimmune diseases, progressive diseases, and discomfort that happens, anxiety, chest, depression, all of these things because we are disconnected from our emotions and hence disconnected from our soul because we're not allowing ourselves to process an aspect of our multidimensionality, an aspect of our body, which is so vital. Because in every cell, at every cellular level, we hold memories inside of our body. Our centers of intelligence hold all of these elements of our limited beliefs, every traumatic event that we go through, and everything that gets channeled into you know, our solar plexus that is connected to the solar system. We transmute that information through all of these limited beliefs, all of these wounds, all of these emotional bodies, and then we come up to the fear center of you know, our reptilian brain and we make all of these decisions based on fear, scarcity, and lack. And when we're doing something in the element of who we are that isn't in alignment with us, it's because we're doing something out of fear, scarcity, and lack. It has nothing to do with surrender, release, and trust. That's so good. And I do want to say guilty as charged. <laughs> We're all guilty as charged. It's a learning. Yeah. It's a practice. You know, like, I don't believe that everybody meditates the same. I don't believe that everybody moves their body the same. However, I know that we all go through very similar things because we're all in very similar systems that and upbringings that we were taught to do these things. And even if it wasn't in a family dynamic, societal dynamics tell you what's okay and what's not okay, right? So it's just honoring who you are and being able to be who you are authentically, be in the rawness, be in the emotionality of it, allow yourself to feel what you need to feel, acknowledge it, have the awareness, process it and release it. It's not meant to not be processed. It's coming up for a reason. There's a why to that reason and it's to discover what that why is. Yeah, I really liked your description of the emotions being pressurized and then they end up or we end up projecting those emotions or even different emotions by virtue of that pressurization. I really love that idea. I want to touch on something in your bio that really, really interests me at this point. I mentioned in the intro that you're a celestial and generational earth shaman. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's interested me in the recent past is this idea of parts of our souls fragmenting as a result of trauma or loss or, or just negative experiences in this life. My first question is, is that a thing? The second part of it is as a celestial and generational earth shaman, how do you help people recover those fragments of their souls? That's such a beautiful question, Ed, because yes, absolutely. We are fragmented because we're energy and frequency. We are matter and we are light and light can be dispersed and can be separated. So the beautiful thing is that when our soul goes through traumatic experiences, 
it, this is not to scare anybody, but pieces of our soul fragment off out of protection of the soul self, out of protection for that soul essence. So when something like that happens or something very negative happens in someone's life, it's very important as what I do is that we bring back those fragments into the body. And that's what we would refer to as a soul retrieval. So we would bring the retrieval of the soul and we would implement and integrate it back into the body so long as the body is in a place to receive it and to be able to honor it and to integrate it back into its body and is not in a high place of stress or a high place of traumatic experience because you don't want that soul fragment to leave again. What I do want to caution is that when the soul essence does leave you know, this worldly form, it does gather its soul fragments back and it does transmute back as one. So I don't want people thinking that they're going to leave, you know, because a lot of the questions happen like, well, part of my soul be left here when I leave. And no, what happens is that the soul naturally recalls it through its healing process as it elevates and goes through the veil. So it's a really powerful experience. You see this a lot in children. A lot of children have soul loss. And that's why you see when they start to become teenagers, even though, you know, we have spiritual rituals and, you know, traditional rituals that we used to do thousands and hundreds of thousands of years ago, which I still think are vital to this day that these rituals are implemented because as a child goes into a milestone of becoming a man or a woman, their soul has to go through a certain egoic death and an egoic death so that they can grow and expand and they can go into this beautiful embodiment of the next transition of their life. And what happens in this now moment is that, you know, when these transitions happen, teenagers become highly suicidal. They think that there's something wrong with them and that they want to die, but it's really a soul essence of them asking them to go through an egoic death, a spiritual transition to the next phase of their life. And that's why these spiritual practices were and rituals were so highly important and so regarded. And we didn't have the same outcome that we have to now, not including all of the environmental factors and the societal factors, but that has a lot to do with it. So when our soul is going through growth and expansion and we have all of these experiences as children, because a lot of the times that trauma is held in childhood and it doesn't mean that it has to be something that is overly traumatic. If it has to be a death or anything of that, it could be a word that you carry for the rest of your life. It can be that you can't be something that you truly desire to be as a child. It can be as simple as that, that the soul was like, ouch right? Ouch, like that didn't feel good for me. So when we, when we, you know, refer to inner child work, and we refer to a lot of things stemming from childhood, it's because it has in this lifetime, there's lots of things that can make these transitions happen, you know, going to school and having a bully say something to you, or, you know, doing something to you that is out of your soul sovereignty being that can enact a fragment of the soul leaving the body. Along those lines, because you reference soul retrieval, is there such a thing as soul abduction? And I ask this because in the fall of 2023, I was meditating and this really strange vision entered and it was dark and it was about a loved one who died in the late 90s. And I had this knowing that he hurt people. And I have no proof of that, Roxanne. And what it felt like was 
that there were fragments of the souls that he hurt, the people that he hurt, were attached to him. Yep. Almost as if he abducted those fragments. And then what's really strange, beyond the fact that I don't have any proof of, of this, is that it creates this weird codependency between his soul and the fragments of the other souls where they know they need to separate and yet they can't bring themselves to do that for whatever reason, not the least of which I can only assume is it's self-reinforcing. What do yeah. you, what's your take on that? Absolutely. I love that you asked these questions, such beautiful questions you have today. Oh my goodness. I love it. So from my perspective, and I always share from my perspective, because like I said, my truth is my truth and what I've discovered and, you know, in the embodiment of my mentorship and the tribal communities, from my understanding, I take and I integrate what feels in complete resonance with me. And what I believe is that there is soul abduction. So when something happens, if you ever look at a soldier, because I've worked with a lot of former veterans that went to war and took lives of others. They have these soul fragments completely attached to them. And when they go through a massive soul cleansing and soul retrieval at the same time, there is vomiting, there is nauseousness that happens because they're literally purging those soul essences back. And then there's a beautiful journey that happens where they're giving their power and their sovereignty back to those soul essences. So I absolutely 1 million percent know this to be true with inside of me of what I've seen in the body of work that I've done. And that's not just to say that you know, when that bully says something and it really impacts you and it's because something is probably happening within that child's household that fragment of that soul stays with that person. And why do you think that they can't let it go for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years? And why that connection is happening is because energetically and soulfully, they are still connected and binded and intertwined together. And it doesn't mean that you can't call your power back on your own, but it does mean that there was an entanglement, there was a contract made, there was an enmeshment made within these energy forces. You know, you see so many people that are in their 60s and 70s and they can recall the bully that they had when they were seven because that soul energy is still connected with this person and it created such a deep, significant impact in their soul essence and in their body and their emotional body as well that they have never been able to release it or to call back their power. And this is where you see people getting into more of a state of victimization opposed to becoming victorious over their journey and recalling their power back, their sovereignty back from the experience. So when you also understand that in every religious structure that I have come you know, to see to date, this is another aspect that I believe in, is that not only can that happen, but there also are possessions that can happen and entities that are not from this worldly form or can be from this worldly form that can attach and to connect with us and can make us more in a negative state because of the energy that is enmeshed within within our soul essence and this would be you know really referred to as you know you see in catholic religion you see that they have processes to remove these soul essences from that person by doing, right? Their practices, their spiritual practices that they can ensure that the soul essence is removed 
from that entity because it doesn't belong to theirs. So energy is energy and can connect. So there is a part of that. So if you have a lot of wounding, a lot of portals that are open or your channels are open and your chakra systems are constantly open, think about open portals. Anything, if you don't protect yourself and you don't put those measures in place, can naturally attach itself to you and integrate within you and try to integrate within you, right? When we think about exorcisms, there's a reason why every spiritual practice has their methodology of what this looks like because it is true in fact because they have witnessed and experienced these entities latching on to these souls i've got two questions for you along those lines the first is how would you know if a negative entity has attached itself to you the second part is going back to my family member is that it feels very much like he doesn't want to reincarnate because the this is going to be somewhat clunky to say because th those soul fragments that are attached to him will torment him almost as if he is possessed so the first part is how would we know the second part is what do you make of the the second part. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Ed, I really believe in that because I believe that there are karmic debts and there are karmic lessons that are to be learned. Are they going to be learned in the exact same way that, you know, that was implemented onto those other soul beings? Probably not. But will they come in different life lessons and life forms? Even though those things transpired and he potentially took their power of sovereignty away, it doesn't neglect the fact that that has to be and now it's now a soul contract between those two souls that is happening and that is going to reincarnate into a lifetime and it doesn't matter if it's in this life plane or this earthly plane or not it's a soul contract that is there and that needs to be fulfilled because it's a karmic lesson and the karmic lessons isn't to punish us so this is where i really want to be cautious here because karmic lessons are to help us grow and expand we come here and we learn that this is good and bad and this is right and wrong and it's not to say that there's anything wrong with that but at the end of the day it is what it is and that's all that it is so it doesn't mean that we agree to have our sovereignty taken away. It doesn't mean that we agree to have someone, you know, impact our soul the way that they'd have. But we came here to experience the lessons with these people and they came and they fulfilled their duty. But how they did it may have not have been in the highest integrity of our soul. And that is what happens in terms of soul contracts. So them coming back into the next lifetime he may have two of those soul lessons come back and have that experience until those contracts have been fulfilled and those lessons have been learned along the lines of our sovereignty is it possible that other people can claim sovereignty over us or do we actually however unknowingly give it away yeah, I don't believe that anyone can take our sovereignty away. I think that elements can happen in our life and we give that sovereignty away. And I'll just give a differentiation here and, and neither are good or bad is just what it is. So when we see somebody that goes through a traumatic event and they take that power and they instill that power within themselves and they elevate and they grow because of that experience, that is someone that kept their sovereignty, kept their inner power and decided to elevate within themselves and to learn from that experience, even though we've all been through 
an assortment, a variety of experiences in life. And if we haven't, you know, I kind of feel bad because the whole point of life is to have flavors and colors and texture and to experience everything that life has to offer. And it doesn't mean that it has to be the worst possible things, but there's going to be things that are going to challenge us as beings so that we can grow and expand from it. So we make a decision, we make a conscious decision and a subconscious decision and a hyper-conscious decision if we decide to step into this and allow this to be an embodiment of growth and expansion and of evolution, or if we decide to allow this to take, to keep our sovereignty, to keep our power. And you see a lot of this with non-forgiveness and forgiveness, it doesn't mean that you're forgiving the gesture or the action that somebody has done to you. You're forgiving yourself to take your power back and to allow yourself to grow and expand from the experience and to not allow that person to be in control or to take that power, to consume that power over you. And that is the differentiation between a forgiveness within yourself and a forgiveness to be able to release it and never have something like that of that experience be able to come into the vicinity of your boundaries, to be able to come into the vicinity of what you're going to accept for your life. So there's a huge differentiation that happens there. So depending, you know, what somebody wants to do, and I'm sure you can witness this in people in your life, you know, something can happen in childhood and literally everything that happens in their life is because of that childhood. The accountability is on the childhood and everybody else's fault and everybody else has their power right? We're giving them the power that they have this control of our life, that they allow to navigate the entirety of our life. And that is not the point of having sovereignty within our being. Sovereignty within our being is taking that power, acknowledging, having awareness, processing, releasing for ourselves so that we can grow and expand and have different opportunities and experiences and lessons. That's so good. (laughs) with regard to forgiveness, one of the things that I've also learned is you don't need to be in the physical proximity of the person that you're, you know, extending forgiveness to. It's an energetic exchange as far as I can tell. I've got one final question for you because you've mentioned this several times during our conversation around soul contracts. Can you describe for someone who might not know what that is. Can you yeah. describe what soul contracts are? And then hu- humor me with answering the follow-up, which is, what if we don't fulfill them in this life? What, what happens if we don't actually honor the contracts that we make? Yeah, I think that's really beautiful because our soul contracts, you know, I always bring clients through a death and dying ceremony. And the only reason I love to bring them through this is to really understand their purpose or sacred purpose. So that is another part of purpose that we really explore. We don't get, you know, the A, B, C, D, E, F, G responses to our purpose, but we get the overarching aspect of what we came here to do in terms of serving and how we serve humanity, how we show up to be in our most authentic, you know, highest self. So when we talk about soul contracts, it's like when we go through this death and dying ceremony, we actually astral project from the body. So their soul element lifts from the body and it goes back to their beautiful place of creation where they came here to decide to have the experiences that they've had. Have they played out exactly how they have? That's not the intention. The intention is 
what lessons and what growth did they want to have throughout this life cycle? That is the importance of those soul contracts. So if my parents came here and said, we're going to teach you resiliency, we're going to teach you patience, we're going to teach you empathy, we're going to teach you compassion. However, they decided to show up here with their experiences. They have taught me those very valuable lessons and key lessons. So those are some of the fundamental soul contracts that we have. And then we have, you know, soulmate contracts. We have contracts for those that, you know, we feel we have so much resistance for and around, yet they teach us so many valuable lessons about ourselves. Because, you know, even just giving an example of a very unhealthy relationship dynamic is that, you know, yeah, it didn't feel good in the moment. But what are the powerful lessons that came with that? What are the boundaries that were created from that? What were the realizations of self and, you know, that introspection that happened because of that relationship dynamic? That's the takeaway. That's the contract. That's the understanding. So when we have those understandings, when we fulfill those soul contracts, those karmic lessons, for us, it's really important to release that. So you know, some ceremonies can be karmic cord releasing ceremonies, karmic cord, you know, cutting ceremonies. I don't believe in cutting. I believe in naturally releasing. And when the body is ready to release it, it will naturally release the connection. So if we don't fulfill those soul contracts, that means that we didn't learn the lessons that we instilled within those soul contracts to come here and to interact with us and to teach us. So it doesn't mean that necessarily it's going to be them the next lifetime that are going to teach us these valuable lessons or help us grow in this beautiful way. Because at the end of the day, we are all one, right? So they came here in a contract to us to help us grow and expand. What happened in their lifetime here isn't a result of our accountability. It's just what it is and how it showed up to be. So that's the importance of our soul contract. So as much as we have resistance or maybe hate an ex or, you know, hate our parents for doing this and doing that, at the end of the day, when we look at it and we have real discussions within ourselves, what were the valuable things that they taught you? They taught you how to love yourself. They taught you to have patience, to be a person of your word if they always broke promises. We understand the polarity of that lesson. So then we enact ourselves and we shape things in our experiences, in our life, that we want to actually implement that for our own growth and evolution. We saw somebody calibrate out of integrity their entire life. How is it to live in integrity? So we make this conscious and subconscious choice that we're going to live a life of integrity. And that is the lesson. So sometimes it's the polarity that they teach us. And sometimes it is the lesson itself that they teach us, if that makes sense. It does. It's all really, really new to me and extraordinarily interesting. <laughs> I, I, it, the one thing, the one thing, actually, let me say it this way. The two things that I know about spiritual awakening is that once it starts, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Nope. <laughs> and, and, and the other is the revelations are never ending. Never. However, however small it, it, they just keep coming and and coming so thank you for that explanation roxanne how can listeners learn more about you and the work that you're doing absolutely they can go to my website at roxannechapu.com or find me on social media and you know send me a message i'd love to chat anywhere really i'm trying to be as many places as possible just to be in connection so 
wherever, you know, listeners feel most comfortable. I'm on Wisdom as well. I love being on that platform. Really great conversations are held there. You can ask any question you want there. So it's just a very, you know, powerful engagement for me. Wonderful. I'll make sure and put your website in the show notes. This has been unbelievably fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for taking time. I really appreciate your your wisdom and your insights. And selfishly, I wish we could have more of these in the future. Truly. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love to have, you know, some more discussions, especially around healing and all of our, you know, incredible beings and any question that comes up. I just love life. So <laughs> Roxanne, thank you again for being a guest. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Ed. It was such an honor. Thank you so much. You can contact the show at itsnotmycredittotake.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless.